Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, fam? Good to see you guys in the splash zone all the way up to the mezzanine. Love it. Appreciate you guys. And everybody watching online, even though you're not here in the room with us today, you're still family. Uh, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for crashing a party. We're in the middle of a series uh, going through the life of Samson. And, uh, but first, I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you something. There's something we got to celebrate uh, right here. Uh, seven years ago, there was a, a new church that came to Winston-Salem, a new church that planted. They're called Redemption Hill. A good buddy of mine named Brandon Mercer is the pastor there. Well, they were meeting in the community center at Miller Park. And uh, Revo, uh, we didn't, you guys don't know this, we didn't advertise it or whatever, but we gave them their chairs to set up and meet uh, in, in that community center. And uh, they have since left that community center uh, left the chairs there, blessed them with it, moved into their own facility. And today, Redemption Hill this morning is launching another campus uh, in Winston-Salem. And so am I taking credit for it? No, we just gave them the chairs, no big deal, okay? Uh, but man, I'm fired up. Uh, the kingdom is taking ground by force in Winston-Salem. And don't let anybody tell you any different than that. Uh, so if you know those dudes, if you don't think my jokes are funny and you're looking for another church like Redemption Hill, we're celebrating with them this morning. We need more healthy churches that are focused on Jesus, seeing people that are far from God begin a relationship with him. We need more churches like that in the city. And so a big shout out to them and their crew as they launch a second service. So they got two campuses. We got three campuses. Like, let's get it done. Uh, I'm excited about that. That's something that we can celebrate, big kingdom win uh, together. Let's go back to Samson, though, because, um, man, this series has been, has been cool. I don't know what you know about Samson. Maybe you think big muscular guy, long hair, Pantene Pro-V commercial for the shampoo. There's a lot of things that you might know about Samson, but one of the things we've been thinking about is all of the character flaws that he had. Uh, when you look back on Samson's life, this guy had some big major things going on that cost him a lot. Uh, he lost relationships over these character flaws. He lost marriages over these flaws. He lost power and wealth. He was the leader over the nation of Israel, and he lost that all because he didn't address some major things in his life. God had a plan and a purpose for him, and he squandered all of it. And I've said this many times, man, one of my favorite way to learn is, is when other people make mistakes and I can learn from them. That way I don't have to go through the pain or the shame or the loss or the grief. And so that's what our hope and prayer for this Samson series has been, that we could learn from his mistakes so that we can become the men and the women that God called and created us to be. And so the, the next character flaw, the, the big thing that derailed Samson's life that we're going to talk about is this. Your boy Samson had a temper. I mean, he could flip his switch in a, in a second, man. Just, like There was just people in Samson's life that knew how to push his buttons. Does anybody in your life know how to push your buttons? Don't look at them right now. Just look for them. Pray for them. Pray in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> Pray for him. I know, man, there's just some people 
Some people just know how to aggravate us. They know how to push our buttons. And, and for some of you, maybe it's around a, a certain person, like just whatever they say, like they can have a look on their face that just makes you want to slap them. They can, they can roll your eyes or roll their eyes at you and that just puts you over the top. Um, maybe, maybe for some of you it's a subject that if anybody discusses, like it just flips your switch. Uh, maybe it's uh, religion or politics or race or wh- whatever the subject is. Just sometimes, just it doesn't matter who's talking about it. Uh, like we can just get, get aggravated about it. This is something that plagued Samson his entire life. And for some, let me, let me tell you how crazy the world is we live in when it comes to, to people getting angry and outraged and triggered. We're in a, we're in a culture right now uh, where we can get angry at people if they're not angry enough. Have you noticed that? Like there are people that if you are not outraged at the same thing that I'm outraged about, I am now outraged at your lack of outrage, right? And it's just why, like that's just how angry and triggered people can get in our culture. So what are we going to do about it? How can we as followers of Jesus live and, and learn from lessons of Samson of what happens when we struggle with anger? What happens when undoubtedly somebody is going to do something or say something that gets us aggravated? The best part about this message is, I want to give you some hope on the front end, every one of us can control our anger. Every one of us can. I learned that from my mom when I was growing up. Now I'm going to tell you a story that some of you are not going to understand uh, because if you're like under 30, this is going to be out of left field. But I grew up in a house that the telephone was connected to the wall. And it had a cord running out of it. And when I was growing up, only rich people had caller ID, okay? You had to pay extra for that. And we weren't trying to pay extra in our house. And uh, I remember, uh, so, so it's weird. It's going to be weird for some of you. When you picked up the phone, you had no idea who was calling you. When the phone rang, you just had to pick it up. And so that's how it was in my house. Well, my brother and I, being typical boys, would fight and wrestle and disobey and break stuff. And occasionally my mom would, would be in the middle of it and my mom would be upset, you know, just yelling at us for great reason. We've broken something, we've disobeyed her. And like, she's upset. She's like, Nathan, I've told you that. Steven, why are y'all doing that? Why did y'all break this? All of a sudden I hear the phone ringing and I think it's my dad. And I'm like, man, my mom cannot pick this phone up. If my mom picks that phone up, and my dad hears her, my dad is going to leave his office and come home and spank my brother and I on the spot right now. That's what's going to happen. And so my mom walking towards the phone on the wall with the cords like, Nathan, I can't believe, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Her hand's on the phone now. I'm like, no, please don't let that be dad. Nate, Steven, don't look at him. And here's what happened. Promise, promise you this is what happened. If this is what your mom did, you grew up in the South. Yelling one moment, she picks up the phone. Nathan, stop. Hello? Hey, great to hear from you. And she pushed, she was like, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> yes, we're doing great. I'm having a great day. That's when I learned you can control your anger. Like you can turn it on. You can't control your response. If you had a mama in the South, you know how she picks up the phone. Even though she's angry, she sounds like a sweet Southern belle every time. We got to learn that because a negative response in anger for us has great consequences. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. Samson's had some major consequences in his life. And so what we need to learn is how do we respond? How do we respond when someone wrongs us, when, when we get angry and we want to see justice and we want to pursue that wholeheartedly? Well, let me give you the context before we go to, to Judges chapter 15 and 16, where we're going to be today. Let me give you the context of the world that Samson is living in. Because the world had a problem with anger and responding and taking justice and repercussions into their own hands and so God actually had to make a a law up for it and he gave it to Moses to give to his people in Exodus 21 this is what he says but if there's serious injury you are to take life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot burn for burn wound for wound bruise for bruise this was the law of the land in which Samson lived in This is what God established that the Hebrew people would be underneath this system of justice because this is what would happen in the world that they lived in. Like if if a next door neighbor came over to your house and killed your chicken, then you would go over to their house and just burn their whole house to the ground, right? I mean, like if you punch me, I'm going to punch back twice as hard. And so God's looking down and like, whoa, like there's a skewed system of justice here. Like I got to set the rules on what this is supposed to be like. And so this retribution, they say, hey man, like if, if somebody breaks your fingernail, you can't go and amputate their whole arm off. That is not how it works. Like it's eye for eye, tooth for tooth, even like bruise for, for bruise. And God made up this rule so that people wouldn't take advantage of others, so that they wouldn't take justice into their own hands and let their anger rage so much that they couldn't control themselves and ended up doing irreparable damages. So that's the world that Samson lives in. He knows there's eye for an eye. When you get angry, you can't let your emotions get the best of you and run away with you. And so we drop into Samson's wedding. Now remember, Samson is getting ready to marry this girl that everyone told him not to marry. She was a Philistine. She did not love God, like enemy of God's people. But Samson wouldn't listen to, to anyone. And so in, in Judges 14, we see uh, the ceremony that goes about as bad as any wedding could possibly go. Because if you can remember, right after the wedding, Samson gave the, his in-laws a riddle. And they said, I bet you can't answer this riddle. And if you do, I'll give you 30 new sets of garments. Weird, weird thing to do at a wedding. Well, his wife betrayed him. Remember, told his in-laws the answer to the riddle. And here's what Samson, the Bible says that that night, Samson killed 30 of his own wedding guests, stole their clothes, stripped them naked, and gave them to the family members. Now, that is not something you read in Modern Bride magazine today. You will not see that on the cover, but that is what is happening. And so that, that happened Samson's wedding night. He responded in that way. His anger got the best of him and his switch just flipped. Well, obviously remorse, regret overcame Samson because in, in chapter 15, Samson now goes back on his, on his night. He, he hasn't seen his wife since they got married, the ceremony itself. And so he, he goes back to his wife and in and in Judges chapter, chapter 15, we read this in verse 1. He says, Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. And some guys today, they want to be romantic. They're going to buy some flowers. They're going to bring some chocolate. Samson brings a young goat. Very romantic, very boss move in this day. He said, I'm going to my wife's room. 
but her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, she, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? <laughs> Why don't you take her instead? Now, I got to come to this father-in-law's uh, backing because you got to understand, like, Samson killed 30 of the wedding guests. To me, that would have been a clear sign. I don't know if it's going to work out with this family. Like, it might be time to move on. And so the dad ends up giving his daughter to one of Samson's groomsmen. And Samson has a response here. He's got an opportunity to see how he's going to respond. But you already know Samson's got a temper, and his temper gets the best of him here, and he just absolutely flips. This is a civil dispute, right? A conversation between a son and his new father-in-law that should have been able to be handled with just two mature adults having a conversation. But that, unfortunately, is not how Samson responded. Verse 3, Samson said to them, This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Ever said that before? Ever said that before when you got angry and you wanted to take justice in your own hands? I have the right to do something bad to them. That's what Samson said. So he went out and he caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and the standing grains together with the vineyards and all of the olive groves. Now let me ask you a question. Is this eye for an eye? No. This is escalating. Like Samson gets angry and takes justice into his own hands, not making this up, not a fairy tale, this man finds 300 foxes, ties them up by their tails, lights their tails on fire, and lets them run through the, the crops of the Philistines and burns them to the ground. My first point is this, if you take a note, jot this down. Anger will make you do some crazy things. Anger will, if you don't handle it correctly, anger will make you respond in ways that you wouldn't normally respond, in a tone of voice that you normally wouldn't use. You will do some things and say some things and act some ways that is obvious that your anger has gone unchecked. And what should have been a simple conversation Anger got the best of Samson, and he ended up trying to hit back twice as hard. Now, like, let, me, let me unpack this for you, because he did something significant in this verse. By burning down all of the crops and all of the olive trees and all of the vineyards, in one afternoon, Samson wiped out the total Philistine economy. It, it would be like in, in a matter of 10 minutes if the stock market dropped 10,000 points, just like that. I mean, if the dollar was completely worthless, just like that. That's what happened. Samson wrecked an entire nation's economy, all because he couldn't control his anger. Anger makes you do some, some crazy things, but the reality is, man, revenge feels so good, doesn't it? Must have made Samson feel really good to see that whole thing burn to the ground and say, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you. I'm going to do and repay the favor that you did for me. Verse six, when the Philistines asked who did this, they were told Samson. 
the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Here's the second thing you got to understand about anger. Uh, anger, your anger that goes unchecked, has consequences for others. If you think that you just getting angry and you lashing out and not being able to control your speech and your attitude and your actions, if you think that's just a you problem, you're wrong. Because that kind of unchecked anger and negative response not only affects you, but it affects your family, it affects your friends, it affects your whole sphere of influence. Samson couldn't check his anger. And because of it, his wife, brand new on their wedding night, and his new father-in-law got burned at the stake. Our actions have consequences. Our words have consequences. Our inability to check our emotions has consequences. What started out as a civil dispute escalated now into two people dying. If you need a reminder that your actions have consequences, man, let me me invite you into conversations that I have as a pastor where I've sat back in my office countless times and helped people whose lives were broken and fallen apart. And I can't tell you how many times their story started with, you know, growing up, my dad was a great guy, but you better not get on his bad side. Man, I, I grew up in a house where Anger quickly escalated to yelling and then led to abuse. And so many people's stories of heartbreak are connected to generations ago, someone not being able to control their actions and thinking that their words don't have consequences. They do. Samson couldn't control himself, and he ended up losing the life of his wife, and his whole family begins to explode everything begins to fall apart and he begins to pay the price. Once this happens, verse seven, Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear that I will not stop until I get my revenge on you. Ever heard that? Ever said that? I will not sleep until you pay the price. I'm gonna get revenge if it is the last thing that I do. That's what Samson said. He attacked them viciously, and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading all over and near Lehi. The people of Judah, Samson's own people, asked, like, why, why have you come to fight us? I mean, can you imagine being uh, in Judah, Samson's, God's people, ruled by Samson, and all of a sudden thousands of warriors are surrounding you, and you're like, hey, what's going on here? Why, why, are you, why, why does everybody have swords in their hands? <laughs> what, is there, did something happen that I don't know about? They say, we have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he has done to us. Ever thought that? Oh, no, no, listen, I, I'm perfectly justified in my, what I'm going to do. I'm just doing to them what they did to me. I'm just responding to them like they responded to me. I'm just repaying the favor in the form of revenge. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? And Samson answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. 
Ever felt like that? Ever justified your actions in anger in response to that? I'm just doing to them what they did to me. Perfectly okay for me to respond this way. Third thing we we realize out of this text is this. um, Your anger, unchecked, will quickly turn other people against you. Anger turns others against you. Did you notice the 3,000 men that came to approach Samson? They were his own people. Not only were the Philistines turned against Samson, Samson's own people, the people that he was supposed to lead and, and to be a judge over this nation that God had appointed him as their guy, even they had turned on Samson now. Said, bro, what are you doing? What are you, you should have been able to sit down with your father-in-law and have a, a man-to-man conversation, but now we got warriors surrounding us. Don't you know that they could wipe us out just in the blink of an eye? And it's your fault, Samson. Like you couldn't control yourself. You mouthed off. You, you did something out of anger that is now costing everyone. What is going on? That's what anger does. Your anger will isolate you. Because no one wants to be around someone that's constantly angry. No one wants to be around you in your drama. Because your drama has a way of sucking other people into it. And if people would rather have a choice, they would rather avoid you if you're an angry person. To the point where you're like Samson, you're living in a cave and everyone is against you. Why? Because you can't control your anger. You can't control how you respond when things don't go your way and justice doesn't seem to be served. Here's how the story ends. They they said to him, we've come to tie you up. His own people are going to do a house arrest on him and hand him over to the Philistines so that they don't die too. Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and the ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hand. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. If you have the KJV, you should read it. It's a funny translation with a donkey's jawbone I've killed a thousand men when he finished speaking he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramoth Lehi last thing I want you to write down is this you got to understand this your anger if it goes unchecked leads to lifelong consequences what you do it sounds just like in the moment it was a word I said it was an action that I did it was some some attitude that I have it may seem like it's a fleeting moment and hey tomorrow I'll say I'm sorry no big deal but sometimes your anger can lead to irreconcilable differences and consequences the Bible tells us that from that day forward that hill was known as jawbone hill every time someone walked by that area they would say hey It was in this spot right here that Samson lost his temper, that Samson had his switch flipped and he wigged out over his wife and he killed a thousand people with a jawbone. The course of history was altered from that moment forward. You see how that escalates? It all started with a a civil dispute. This should have been something 
that Samson and his father-in-law went out for a steak dinner and handled in an adult conversation. Should have been able to work it out as two mature men in this culture, but they didn't. And Samson's inability to control his anger led to an, an entire economy being wrecked. Then two people are burned to death. Then 3,000 warriors are gathered into an army ready to go to war, which ends with a guy grabbing the jawbone of a donkey and personally killing 1,000 people with a bone. And his actions had consequences. Consequences that would impact not only his life, but the course of history. You see, a system of justice had been put into place. God was very clear on how Samson should have responded to the wrongs that were against him. But instead, Samson wanted to take matters into his own hands. So what does this story have to do with us? I gotta be honest, I, I was reading this story. I've only seen like one fox in my whole life. I can't even fathom where you would find 300 of them and how you would tie them tail to tail. Like, I don't even know. I went to a petting zoo one time and I saw a donkey. That's it. But this guy killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. What does this story have to do with us today? Is this just a fairy tale? Is it just some like, oh, well, you know, it's a scary story. You don't see many Samson murals painted on nursery walls. Like, it's always him with the long hair and shining. And you never see like a guy with a jawbone, his blood all over him and a thousand bodies. Like, paint that in your nursery one time. The reality is we don't even live under the same system of justice that Samson lived under. Remember the eye for an eye part? As Christians, that isn't even the rule that applies to us anymore when it comes to justice. Let me tell you what Romans 12 says. Paul says this to the church. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay it, says the Lord. The Bible is clear for us. Do not take revenge. Do not let things escalate. Don't let someone press your buttons and flip the switch and you end up saying or doing or thinking something that is gonna have major consequences on your life. Here's the problem though, we love revenge. Like there's just something extremely satisfying about it, especially when we get to see revenge play out in front of us. See, if all of us were honest, we'd be okay admitting we're fine with evil being repaid with evil. It's the reason why true crime podcasts are so popular right now. In 50 minutes, we can meet a criminal, go through the crime, see how they were tried, and by the end of the episode, they're already in jail. Like, it's instant justice. It's the reason why CSI is such a popular show. I've got CSI New York and CSI Miami, New Orleans, CSI Rural Hall, like whatever, like they're all over the place. It's wild. Why? Because in a, in a scheme of about 30 minutes, we see a crime committed, and before the last commercial airs, They've already been prosecuted and they're already in jail. We love instant justice. And as followers of Jesus, we don't believe in karma, right? Because I know plenty of bad things that happen to good people and good things that happen to bad people. But there is something about justice being ruled out right in front of you that feels really good. 
I'm driving down Interstate 40 the other day. I'm riding in the middle lane, going slightly above the speed limit that's posted. There's a car beside me in the left lane that is also going slightly above the posted speed limit. Nevertheless, a car comes roaring up behind us. And they get up behind me and they slam on their brakes and he's flicking his lights and and blowing his horn and he's got a finger in the air. I don't know if he's telling me God is number one, but that's how I that's how I took it. I was like, hey, yeah, that's awesome. Swerves in the other lane, riding this guy's tail, swerves into my lane. You know, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, like he's throwing his hands up in the air, like he's just angry. And and finally he pulls the boss move because he goes in and gets in the fast lane. He swerves into the emergency lane and passes both me and this guy on the other side of the road and swerves out in front of us and takes off. What do you think I said? I said the same thing y'all said. Like, don't even act like I'm the only sinner in here, all right? I said, man, I hope he gets pulled over. I hope he gets pulled over. Now, if you know the section between like Bermuda Run and Winston that I'm talking about, there's some of North Carolina's finest like to sit in the median in between these two hills. And sure enough, I come up over the hill right when this guy passes me. And there is a state trooper at the bottom of the hill. And we hadn't even got there and he's already got his lights on. I turn my radio on. I'm like, great is your faithfulness to me. I love it. That's my audition right there, Kristen. Next week, I'm going to be up here singing. I was like, yes, Lord, this is it. And I would be lying to you if I said I didn't slow down and wave as I was going by. Why? Because we love it. We love it when justice is served immediately, and we don't like to wait. But the Bible is very clear that justice belongs to the Lord, that we are not called to take it into our own hands, that we can't rush the Lord. Check this out, man. If you struggle with revenge and taking justice and demanding justice on your time, you don't have a problem with the person that wronged you. You have a problem with God. Because God said, that's my job. It's not yours. You don't get to take things into your own hands. You don't get to execute justice. You don't get to determine what happens to people that wrong you and that anger you. You don't get to decide that. And so when we take those things into our own hands and respond poorly to anger, we're essentially looking at God and saying, you don't know what you're doing. You're not very good at this. You better let me take the, I don't trust you. God, I'm scared that you won't do the right thing at the right time, so I'm just going to do it for you. It's a hard issue for us, how we respond to people that, that do us wrong. And so there's two, verse, two, two verses, two, two words in those two verses that, that, that come to mind. Paul says, do not take revenge. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave room for God to work. That's what Samson should have done. When he walked in there and his father-in-law ticked him off, instead of letting that anger take him somewhere that would ruin his life, he should have just taken a step back, taken a deep breath, and like, I got to leave some room. I got to trust God. Man, I want to punch this guy in the face right now, but I got to trust that God's going to handle that. I got to trust that God is in control. I got to trust the Bible when the Bible says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. And he will execute it in the right way at the right time. And so sometimes, man, we just got to learn. Unlike Samson, we have to learn to take a step back and leave room for God. We have to be the one 
that refuses to pick up the jawbone and to take it into our own hands and simply trust that God knows what he's doing, that God has a plan, that God can, can execute that. The Bible says that justice belongs to the Lord. That's the lesson we can learn that revenge creates a conflict between us and God, not us and whoever made us mad. So we got to learn how to trust, put it in God's hands, leave some room. So what does that look like for you this week? For some of you, you, you need to go home and make a phone call. There is a family member of yours where there's a, a vicious cycle of revenge that's going on right now. And they say something and, and you punch back. And then they do something and then you respond poorly. And it's just going to continue to go. And I hope you, you realize where this cycle leads. Like the, the circle continues to get bigger on the people that get sucked into this and the people that are harmed and the people that are hurt to the point to where some relationships will be severed forever. And as a follower of Jesus, it's time for you to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to put the jawbone down. I, I don't want to keep doing this. I'll be the one that walks in humility. I'll be the one that apologizes. I'll be the one that regardless of what you say or do, I'm not going to take justice in my own hands. I'm not gonna make anger, make me say or do something that I'm gonna regret. I'm gonna put the jawbone down. Maybe it's an email to a, a, a coworker or a client of yours to just say, hey, I, there's some things I need to apologize for. There's some anger that's been building between us and this, you know, like you say something and, and, and you stab me behind my back and then I say and talk trash behind your back and it's, and it's escalating to a point, hey, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus and I, man, I, I just can't do that. And I, I gotta be the one that, that puts the jawbone down. Would you be willing to, to take that next step? Would you be willing to just like end it, man? Like don't, don't allow anger to take root in your heart and lead to bitterness that then leads to death like it did for Samson. Man, you gotta change your path today for your life moving forward before, before it's too late. If you want an example of somebody that did this, just look at Jesus. The reality is Jesus was a better Samson. In First Peter, this is how he describes Christ. He says, to this you were all called. You and I were called to this life, this response when people do us wrong, when people treat us poorly, when we're angry and we want to snap. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Listen to how Jesus responded. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Think about what Jesus had to go through. Jesus was falsely accused. He was betrayed by his best friends. He was accused. He was set up. He was lied to. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was stripped naked in public, humiliated, murdered on a cross. And at no point in his life did he ever bend down and pick up the jawbone. At no point did he say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to do to you what you deserve. I'm going to do to you what you have done to me. Nope. Jesus backed up and left room. Knowing that God had a plan for his life. And in the midst of extreme persecution, despite having the power to do anything that he wanted, Jesus waited on him and trusted in him who would judge 
justly in the end. Jesus was a better Samson. And we don't live under the Old Testament law of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. We live under the command of worshiping a Savior that did not respond in anger but issued grace that gave his entire life into the hands of God and said, God, I'm gonna leave room and I'm gonna trust you with it. What a powerful lesson from Jesus, a mistake to avoid from Samson and a life to imitate that we see in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. I I, I wanna ask God and I wanna invite you to ask God just to, to speak to you right now, give you the next steps to take, give you the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we've just heard. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the example of Samson, a man that you had a purpose and a plan for, but he derailed it because he was unwilling to address some issues that dishonored you and that hurt everyone else around him. But God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to redeem all things. Thank you for the example of even his pain and suffering, the injustice that he experienced on the cross, yet a response that was so full of grace and mercy. As he looked to the people that were shouting and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he looked to the criminal to his left that begged for forgiveness, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Just moments after he was hurling insults at your son, Jesus offers forgiveness. In a world that is obsessed with revenge and justice, God, help us to be people that leave room and fully trust in the one that judges justly. God, help us with that. That's not natural for us, so we need you to do a work in our heart ask those things uh, in your son Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.